Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Veterans Care Association and Timor Awakening podcast. The Timor Awakening program is an 11-day immersive, holistic and peer-to-peer veterans program based in East Timor that has a singular vision, which is to promote the health and well-being of veterans and veterans' families. Due to the current restrictions from COVID-19, we are running slightly abridged programs on the Gold Coast uh, with the same vision and same aim. We're using these opportunities to sit down with our participants one-on-one and conduct podcast interviews to capture their story and their lessons learned and things that we can all learn from uh, as we as veterans and wounded healers move through our own journey and help others do the same. We're going to be covering a whole range of topics including defence transition, mental health, relationships, veteran suicide, PTSD and post-traumatic growth. Whether you're out and about or listening to this at home or driving in your car, we do trust that you'll learn a lot by listening to our participants. Thank you and enjoy. So guys, uh, it's Michael Albrecht here. I'm just sitting down with Tony Irwin, who's uh, a little bit of a repeat offender of the Team of Awakening programs. He's been on a few now, but we've just wrapped up TA14, so he's uh, giving us a bit of his time to um, share some of his insights with us. Um, so Tony, mate, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Michael. You're most welcome. And um, I think first and foremost, what we'll do uh, is just if you could share a little bit about uh, yeah, your military background. Don't have to go into anything that uh, can't be shared on an open forum, but just, you know, in... in Bit of an overview of uh, where you were, where you're posted, and what you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I was a country boy, and I joined, you know, straight out of the country, joined the military in 1979, um, and like everybody, went through Kapuka, had a great time. Not really, but anyway, <laughs> it uh, turned out all right, and uh, I went into the Royal Australian Corps of Transport yep, yep. as a what was known back then as a freight handler. So that gave me opportunities to uh, work on the beaches a lot doing amphibious operations. So right. That's what I did sort of in my early career. I had three postings on HMOs to Brook, um, which was involved in amphibious operations, obviously, yep. for, uh, you know, over over the f- sort of first 20 years of my career. So sort of three years here, two years there, two years there. Yep, yep. And um, uh, eventually... Oh, sorry, and in between going back to the sort of host unit, had a couple of years in the UK, um, deployed during the first Gulf War, uh, interfed in East Timor, untied in East Timor, Bougainville, Solomon Islands and um, Antarctica, believe it or not, which was quite interesting. And uh, It's I, a diverse range of deployments. Oh, <laughs> unbelievable. It yeah. was... Uh, yeah, going to Antarctica certainly was an experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I ended up um, discharging in 2013. Yep. Um, so since then I've been um, pretty much retired and just getting into the um, welfare space in uh, my local RSL sub-branch. Yep. So that's that's got a lot of positives. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's definitely some interesting stories there to be, to be had. Um I guess we'll uh, we'll come back to the, maybe some of the deployments in a second. I guess since since you got out, which wasn't that long ago, really, in the no. grand scheme of things. What um, so you said you've been involved with some some veteran in the veteran space a bit. Yep. Um, yep. And and yeah, what else has sort of kept you busy since that time? Oh, I've got uh, I've got a son who just turned eighteen, so he's obviously kept me busy over yep. well the last seven years because he's been in high school. So he's got quite a lot going on. He's very active himself. And um, um, lo and behold, he's interested in joining the Army Reserve at the moment. So we're sort of going through that process while he's finishing Year 12. Process of talking him out of it? (laughs) I haven't as yet. I'll I'll just let him do what he wants to do. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, But he's, uh, yeah, he's quite happy to go that way because we've sort of got a 
fair family history of both yep. the military and uh, in the police. Right. So okay. So your your grandparents or your parents were military or police as well? Yeah, my father was like well, even back a lot further yeah, than that. Yeah, um, yeah. And he had quite a lot of brothers, so sort of half of them were in the military, half were in the police. Yeah. Yeah. And I've still got nieces, nephews in the police, Victoria, Queensland, New South Wales. Yeah. <laughs> you name it. <laughs> All over the place. Okay. And and yeah. so when you when time wrapped up, what, what rank were you when you got out of the military? Uh way one. Way one. So I was a yeah, I was some people won't like it, but I was an RSM. Oh, there you go. For um about twelve, the last twelve years, yep. I guess. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. So that was, you know, that's a job you can either love or hate. I did love yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think I made any enemies. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to see. But um, you haven't made enemies. Uh, maybe maybe um, RSM wasn't the job for you. <laughs> no, uh, well, you know, <laughs> being like, it sounds like you were an RSM who did a good job and and was liked at the same time, which is not an easy balance. Well, there's RSMs yeah. and there's RSMs. Yeah. 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 You know. So, but yeah, no, it was a great, great job, and it's um, you know it's one of those things where you can have a positive influence. Yeah, yeah, yeah so it's good. I'm really curious uh, to hear a little bit about Desert Storm. Mm-hmm. I, uh, again, within the limitations of what you're talking about, I've run into very, very few people who were actually from the Australian Defence Force who were there at that time. What was what was Desert Storm like? Well, you know, as as everybody's aware, the main. Uh, or most of the numbers came from the Royal Australian Navy. Right. So they were out, um, you know, patrolling the Gulf and doing what Navy ships do. Um, as far as people on land during, uh, I mean, I can't put a um, figure on the exact number, but um, I was I was actually posted over in, in uh, the UK at the time. Yep. So... There was quite there's you know quite a lot of Australians on exchange at any one time with the US the UK etc. So mm. it turned out that with our units, um, I think there was eleven each from the US and eleven from um, uh, the UK forces who were over there. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure of the uh, approval process, yep, but yep. they got to a certain point where they just went, eh, no more. <laughs> Because yep, yep. everybody, everybody in the UK and the US who was posted over there would have ended there, ended up there. Right. So right, it right. would have been a bit of a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there was only a small number. So probably, yeah, like I said, twenty-two people. Okay. Pretty much. So a small contingent. Yep. And um, you know, I guess most people probably did close to five months. Okay. I was at um, a place called Al Jabal, which is south of Dharan, and after Dharan is the border yep and uh, you know we that was basically the point of entry for everything coming in so yeah a lot of lot of uh, work um, as far as um, I guess a dangerous area it wasn't uh, too bad right you know we obviously had the odd um, uh, you know the odd sort of alarm about um, Rockets and so forth. Yeah. yeah, gas attack and all that sort of thing, and and an a, and a missile did land on the sixteenth of January, quite close to the port. So that sort of wake us up early in the morning. Right. Okay. Um, a scud or yeah, okay. scud. Yeah. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah. So we, um, yeah, it's well documented that particular one. It was probably it was probably aimed at Israel. Who knows? But, yeah, yeah. But um, just chose to land there. So that you know that that sort of brought it home like. Doesn't matter where you are, you're not one hundred percent safe because that could have just as easily landed 
you know, somewhere either on the civilian yeah. population or yep. the military, but it actually landed in in the port. So right, right, right. Yeah. So <coughs> you know, that was an interesting. Anyway, we knew that um, you know we had our job to do, so we just cracked on. Um, you know, hours didn't matter. Um, didn't get you know much sleep for that five months. It was very, very constant. Obviously, a lot of stuff coming in the american deployment was just absolutely huge and i think the uk deployed forty-five thousand people which um you know in australian terms we'd never fathom that amount more than we have to offer <laughs> yeah so so you know plus you know all their equipment armor i've just never seen so much armor in all my life right. and um you know it was a great experience to get involved with that um and basically you know we didn't really think about um, danger as such mm. or things that might happen. We just cracked on as you do and yep. just be professional and get on with it. And I've you know, got to say the, the UK, uh, I mean, certainly all the guys that worked with me or for me, they were absolutely professional yep. and hardworking and, you know, they're just like, just like us mm. in Australia. Mm. They um, get the job done and um, still got a smile on their face afterwards. Nice. That was great, yeah. They so said the, the, the kind of the, I guess I gather the atmosphere wasn't too you know it didn't seem like um, you know, you're about to be overrun or anything like that or the, you know the situation was going to get out of hand it didn't feel like that is that what I'm picking no, up? No, not, not look. I think um, you know at the time maybe early on it was a bit unsure about what was going to happen. I you know it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whether the Iraqis going to actually What's Saudi? Do? You know, yeah, is, yeah, he, yeah. is he that stupid? Well, he must be because he invaded Kuwait. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but um, you know, certainly, you know, a couple of months into it, by October, there was that much stuff on the ground, mm, there was mm. that much firepower, yep. particularly from the US, but and and also the UK and um, everyone else that contributed. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't think realistically anybody was worried about. Yep. Certainly not a land invasion. Sure, just wasn't sure. going to happen. Right. Yeah. And what's because that was a just a different time, wasn't it? that? Was really Australia was still you know under a Labor government. Not many people really went anywhere in those days. Mm-hmm. This is still prior to you know the, the huge gap between uh, Vietnam and uh, Interfed. I mean, I know there were deployments. There was you know Namibia and, and you know, all the stuff happening in Africa and Somalia and so forth. There wasn't nothing, but wasn't a lot going on what was what was it like coming back to australia um from a deployment like that in those days well um this was in my first year in fact it was in the first six months of my posting so i didn't actually come back to australia straight away i landed back in uk which was kind of weird yeah yeah. you know if you went away on a deployment you're sort of thinking oh i'm just going to go home but landing back in the uk and thinking god i've got nearly 18 months <laughs> right before I can go. <laughs> gotcha. So, you know, then I just cracked on and and I sort of forgot to mention, but even before the Gulf, I'd actually been to Cyprus. I think I'd already done two trips to Cyprus. Yep, yep. Um, which were, you know, deployments in inverted commas because that's a UN operation over there. Yep, yep. And um, afterwards, it was just normal, oh, do you want to go to Cyprus again? We've got another job on there. I ended up going to Belize in Central America, um, Gibraltar, you know. So you've been all over the place. Yeah, and it was yeah. great. Then, um, you know, the, the agreed terms of that particular posting was the second year you spent 12 months as an instructor. Right. So that was back 
you know, totally back to uh, normality in a training environment. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's how I spent the last twelve months over there. So it was pretty quiet. And then, you know, you just come back to Australia and sort of get back on with it. Yep. People are going, "How come you've got those medals?" <laughs> because there wouldn't be many many people with them at that point. Nobody really had any, yeah. and I said, "Oh yeah, just you know, the Gulf War. Oh, how'd you get over there? Yeah, no army went over there. You know, that's what people were saying. I said, "Well, there's a few." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously, post that, there was a few people went over um, in Kurdistan and all that, you know, helping out with refugees and that. Right. Which, you know, I didn't see any of, obviously. But yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any, any big sort of personal takeaways from that time? I mean, it would have been, because how old were you? 99, how old were you? 30s. Okay, so, yeah. you know, a young man, you know, over on yeah. this, you know, um, you know, front page news all around the world type of event. Like, mm. what 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 was the biggest sort of takeaway you, you took from Desert Storm as a thirty something year old? Um, look, you know, there's positives and negatives, I guess. But I I guess um, just that if if there's aggression from somebody, no matter who it is, and in this case Iraq, you know, there is a, a fair bit of uh, unity in the world mm. to right or wrong and. You know, people will get together, contribute whatever they can. I mean, it took them a little bit of time, bit of toing and froing, lots of talking amongst each other. Probably, oh yeah, we'll do this for you if you do that for us. Yep. You know, a bit of that going on, but basically a uh, united sort of organisation against aggression, which I thought was good. Yeah. You know, people have got their opinions about what happened at the end. I.e., they stopped at the border. You know, when they finally pushed Iraq out, they stopped at the border. Should they have kept going? You know, it's not a question I can answer. Yep, yep. And we all know what happened later, so yeah. I'm not sure whether that's a good thing either. I don't know. <laughs> I guess it's, uh, yeah. yeah. It's, um, matter. There's going to be a variety of different perspectives on that anyway. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And look, the main thing is that, you know, people united, um, you know, people from uh, the Middle East, and the rest of the world united against a common enemy. So that was great. Mm. Awesome, awesome. And um, Antarctica, was that before or after? Uh, Antarctica was in 1988. Right, okay. So well, just a little bit prior, yeah, yeah. a couple of years prior. Yeah. What on earth took you to Antarctica and what was that like? Um, as you probably know, there's actually no military work or operations mm. that are done in Antarctica. So... Um, we were seconded to um, the Antarctic Division based in Tassie mm-hmm. and uh, the Army's had a long-term affiliation with them, you know, dating right back to, say, about 1948, I think, where they used to... where they used military logisticians to help out with resupply. So yep. things like the old Army ducks, if people remember what they are... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. drive, you know, drive on land floating water... And the new version of that is called the Lark Five, and they yep. ever since they've been in, um, uh, ever since they've been in service, they've also helped out every year. There was a detachment formed, and you'd usually do two years on that from uh, Thirty Five Water Transport Squadron, which used to be based in Sydney, yep. now in Townsville, and they would go down uh, and help with the unload, stay on a ship and go to the next place, do something, blah, 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 come back to Tasmania, reload, go and do the whole thing. But they decided that they'd probably need people, or they do need people to coordinate that operation on the base, on the main bases. So yep. we were lucky. Three of us went to 
uh, Davis, Mawson and Casey, which were the three main bases, yep. um, Australian bases, and we stayed there. So we actually got to experience what it's like to live on the station for a long time. Not the winter, <laughs> <laughs> which, uh, yeah, I, I probably would have been okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, it was great to live with the people, experience the isolation, if you like. Mm. Um, you know, it's one of those places, like, if you walk, to, you know, a couple hundred metres, maybe 500 metres from the station, you can't hear any, um, any sort of man-made noise. Uh-huh. And it, the silence is deafening. Yeah, you know, it's just, and yeah, it's but it's a wonderful feeling. But you sort of have to go, oh, you know, tap on a rock or, you know, make a noise so you can hear something. That's bizarre. It's almost yeah. like a. But it's an absolutely absolutely beautiful place. Mm. Get back to nature. Um, millions and millions of animals. Obviously, penguins, seals, you know, birds, all that sort of thing. No plant life, as such. Um, yeah, but beautiful in the summer. Lots yeah. of sunshine. Twenty four seven. It's like being in uh, outer space or something, dead silence and yeah, no vegetation. Yeah, it's different. It's, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just a shame uh, a lot of people can't see that, but obviously it's impossible to do it or to get to some places at certain times of the year because of the sea ice and all that sort of thing. Yeah, right. Okay. So, yeah. So they're sort of restricted to that bit up and um, closer to South America. Mm. That's where they have all the, um, you know, the sort of touristy type things. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. So how many, so how many um, sort of fast-forwarding there, how many years did you do in total in your military? Uh, 34. Wow. Yeah, so 32 of those were in the ARA or just over 32 and then I did yeah. sort of my last couple of years stint in the reserve, Yep. Um, which was interesting, but I didn't really notice too much of a difference because I was sort of doing a lot of days, if you like. Yep, yep, yep. Um, Although, you know... It's, fun, it's funny the uh, difference between, you know, oh, he's RA, he knows what he's doing. And then all of a sudden people forget you used to be in the ARA and they go, oh, he's a reservist. Hang on, we'll just ask somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's all right. doesn't matter. Little did they know they had an Antarctica and Desert Storm veteran on their hands yeah, yeah. along with everything else. Yeah. So talk about, um, let's have a quick chat about uh, your sort of journey out of defence and, and your you know, the highs and lows of that and, and what potentially has brought you to... Timor Awakening and the, and the programs, what, what is it that you're searching for yourself? Yeah, look, uh, I've had uh, a lot of issues towards the end there, um, you know, psychological issues, PTSD, okay. yep. um, anxiety disorder. I haven't actually got a lot of physical injuries. I've got a few, yep. um, but they're sort of fairly common things, you know, like obviously back pain and different joints hearing and all that sort of thing but yeah you know once I'd sort of finished that I guess my mind probably slowed down it gave me a lot of time to think about things that I might have seen or things that had happened yep um uh, you know in East Timor you know there was a lot happened over there yep um and you know like I said I went over there a couple of times so um I guess with a little bit of spare time there wasn't enough to fill each day so that's when you sort of dwell on stuff Mm. and um, yeah I sort of found myself uh, I guess you know a bit sick mentally okay so I went you know I've done uh, I I, I went to see a psychiatrist I spent a bit of time in hospital um, 
medication, yep. big part. And uh, you know, I'm st- years later, I'm still seeing a psycho- uh, sorry psychologist regularly, which helps a lot. This um, this program I got involved with the first time two years ago, yep. and uh, went over to East Timor, and I've actually done three done three of those programs Mm -hmm. and each one is just i mean it's just better than the next the mountaintop as we say (laughs) and uh this particular one now in you know in this time where we can't travel overseas this one's actually been brilliant in terms of um, assets available to help you with your health and your well-being so it's a great program very convenient down here on the gold coast um yeah, and uh, the team's extremely professional and uh, the advice they offer is, you know, well-received and it, uh, yeah. I'm sort of looking forward to putting a few things in place and implementing yeah. what I've learned. What has been the biggest thing you think you've, you've learned, whether it's from this program or the previous ones that you think you'd sort of go forward and apply from here? Oh, you know, we, we, uh, we always go... East Timorese have got a lot to teach Australians about the power of forgiveness, for instance. Right. Um, People may not be aware that, uh, you know, there was a lot of damage done to uh, not only the country but lots of people were killed and, uh, you know, over a period of 25 years there was a lot of violence and lots of horrible things done to the East Timorese people. And, uh, you know, the country was, like say, during Innifed it was almost totally destroyed, all the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, myself, if that happened, if somebody came in and burnt down my house and, you know, injured or killed a relative, obviously mm. it would be very, very hard to, you'd, you know, it would be very hard to get over that. It would be very hard to forgive, ever forgive them for doing that. But um, the East Timorese, you know, at first I couldn't work it out, but they've, they've basically forgiven um, Indonesia yep. for that. And they... Um, you know, they've befriended them because they real you know if you they've realized that if you dwell on that you will never ever go forward there'll always be animosity you won't get on and after all Indonesia's their closest neighbor so they've publicly you know the sorry not only publicly with the leaders of the country but generally you know a really high percentage of these Timorese have adopted that approach yeah where they've where they've forgiven and uh, they're getting on with life. And it, it's a great lesson, like, you know, <laughs> over here, like, we've got everything. Yeah. People don't stop to think about that sort of thing. Yeah. It's hard. It's very hard, but it, it can be done. And we hold grudges for far, far smaller things. For sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah, miss out on a shout at the pub and <laughs> no, everybody wants to tell you about it or, yeah. uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's so just funny. Sounds like that. It sounds like um, there's been some real perspective that these that sort of your journey has allowed you to see and uh, reevaluate some things. Yeah, it has, and yeah. uh, you know what's important in life, and um, you know all the material things that we have really don't matter. Um, you know, being happy, healthy, um, sound mind—that's way more important than, yep. than sort of having a new car every five minutes and. Yep, yep. You know, whatever the case may be, whatever floats yeah. your boat. <laughs> but, you know, certainly being in the outdoors, um, having a swim at the beach, for instance. I mean, I don't live near the beach, but it's not that far away. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just 
having a silent walk on the beach and contemplating what's going on out there. Mm. Um, yeah, fantastic. Re- very relaxing. You know, close your mind off, just be in the moment. Beautiful. Love it. Love mm. it. Well, thank Tony. You've shared so many really, really uh, awesome gold nuggets. There's just a couple more questions maybe to wrap up. Sort of just casting your mind back, like if there was one thing that you could tell your, you know, um, pre-transition self, uh, the, the, you know, whether it's just before you got out or maybe some of the years leading up to it, based on what you've learned now, what would you say to yourself? Um, probably, mate, look, you've done a really good job. You've worked hard. You've worked hard. You will have problems, but none of those problems can't be solved. So, you know, keep, keep your chin up. Be happy. You'll be okay. Just keep going forward. Nice. Love it. And, and what does forward look like for you? What's next for yourself? Um, probably, like I said, <laughs> I've got an 18-year-old. So, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, it's to a certain degree, he's 18 now and he's finishing school, so I'll have a bit more spare time. But I, I just want to sort of embrace more of the, um, you know, while I've got time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the outdoors. I've got a jet ski. Lucky enough to have a jet ski. Ah, Sorry, cool. I was just talking about material things. Didn't mean to say that. But, <laughs> but it's not like, that they don't matter at all. It's just that no, they're not everything. Yeah, but it's fine. just like owning a motorbike, I guess. You yep. know, I get a lot of pleasure about riding freedom you know, down the river ending up at the ocean going out perhaps on a calm day and you know looking at a whale particularly this time of year but the other thing is um i really enjoy helping other people where i can if if they need it and particularly veterans particularly other veterans so you know I, i'm uh, i'm on a committee yep. in um, my local subbranch so I'm taking on the welfare role at the moment, so that will obviously involve helping out a lot of people, and I've already had a bit of practice at it, and uh, it does give you a great... Helping others gives you a lot of satisfaction. Yeah. So that's what I want to do. Love it. Fantastic. Well, there have been some great additions to uh, all the programs you've been on, mate, and uh, what you've shared with me today has been really valuable. I know anyone listening to this will have got a lot out of it, Um, so um, we can't underestimate the value of us. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. Go on, buddy. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We trust it's been valuable. If you've got any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to us at support at veteranscare.com.au. And we do encourage you to share this podcast with anyone you feel really needs to hear it and keep a lookout for our next episode. Thank you.